Psalms 110, if you would. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll read our text here. Psalm 110. And I know we preached 108 last week, and we are going to cover 109 and 110 this morning. But I do want to take our thought out of Psalm 110, which is where I'm going uh, with the message. The thought that I have for you is God's right hand. Notice Psalm 110, verse 1, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. Look at the way God draws these pictures, man. He knows how to put stuff. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord, notice again, at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. See what I said about the word pictures? He shall wound the heads over many countries. We'll see some of that tonight. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Father, we love you this morning. We ask you now to speak to our hearts as we look at this passage. God, we need this message. And I've tried to prepare, but Lord, if you don't get in it and and communicate it to the hearts of your people, nothing will get done. So I ask you, please, to use me now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Psalm 110, verse 1 is repeated six times in the New Testament. Ain't that interesting? Most people don't realize when, especially when it comes to the Christmas season, you know, we're always talking about the first coming of Jesus Christ and we talk about the prophecies of the first coming and all that stuff, but the vast majority of the prophecies in your Bible have yet to be fulfilled. And the real main point even of the first coming is not a baby in a manger and it's not even necessarily him dying on a cross. The main theme of the Bible is a king in his kingdom. You got to understand that. And in verse number one, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Boy, I am looking forward to the day when God Almighty makes his enemies his footstool. That's yet to come. I'm living for that day when Jesus Christ comes back and I get to come back with him. I cannot imagine what my life would be like. I cannot imagine what my day-to-day routine would be like if I wasn't stuck still in a sinful body. If I wasn't living in a world that was a sinful world. (coughs) Told you I'll try, but no promises, right? I mean, I I love watching, I've told you before, nature shows, right? I love watching the lions, man. There's nothing more glorious than a lion. You know what else? I do kind of like hyenas, but they're scavengers. You know what I mean? They're just kind of slimy. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you look at them, and they're a very powerful animal, and you would be very scared of them, but when you look at them, they just kind of got a slimy feel to them. They're like sneaking in to try to grab what the lion worked for and run away with it and that kind of thing. And I I love watching that stuff, but have you ever seen like the lions catch a wild boar, the the wild dogs, the painted dogs catch a wild boar and shred that thing to death? They're eating it while it's running away from them. They're ripping off chunks of its tail and its hind end and and it's running away bleeding. They get it pinned down and they're eating it. They're ripping it apart. They're running away with chunks in their mouth and it's still squeezing. So that's disgusting, preacher. Well, I'm sorry, but it's a rough world you're living in. The point I'm making is that it's a very sinful world, and I, I can't help but look at that and think that's got to be part of the curse. What a, I mean, even, even the purest of settings, the wildlife, it's, it's a pure setting. You're away from sinful human beings who devise ways to do evil, who devise wicked thoughts, who have wicked motives and wicked hearts. They're just animals operating the way an animal would operate in the purest of senses. And it's so rough. Man, I can't imagine when the Prince of Peace sits on the throne in Jerusalem and rules and reigns over this world for a thousand years with a rod of iron and justice is finally served. I cannot stand injustice. It drives me crazy. 
I can't stand watching people commit heinous crimes and get off with these tiny little sentences. I can't stand finding out somebody does something obscene and horrible and wicked and, and murdering people or in, in all kinds of other abuses that go on in this world and then you find out they had a rap sheet that was 100 miles long. What's that idiot doing out on the street? Who is it that let him off? It's injustice and it drives me crazy. But I'll tell you, the day is coming where there won't be any injustice in the world. Right is right, and wrong is wrong, and things will be dealt with as such. I get thinking about this, I think about God's right hand. It symbolizes His power. As I looked at the right hand throughout my Bible, <coughs> excuse me, I noticed it has to do a lot of times with direction. And boy, I need a little direction in my life. When you leave yourself to your own devices to figure things out on your own, you'll mess your life up. Can I, can I tell you, you will mess your life up. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm trying to tell you you're a sinful person and life gets confusing and things get hard to figure out. As you go through phases, right, when you get everything figured out, everything's going to change up on you. And, and you've got to go through these things. You, I mean, either that or you just check out early and you shouldn't be doing that at least not voluntarily. That's not your job to end your life. It's God's business. So you got to go through these things as you go through your life. And, and you don't ever get a trial run. There's no practicing. You understand what I'm saying? I really need direction. I really need help. I need God to even tell me how to think. I need God to tell me how to process things in my life. I want the direction of God. And the right hand in the Bible, it, it symbolizes direction. But more often than that, it symbolizes power. And man, I, I, I want to see the power of God. I want to see God put down the enemies. I want to see God make things right. And the day is coming that he will. But right now he's chosen not to. He tells him, he said, the Lord, see the capital L-O-R-D, said unto my Lord. God the Father is saying to the Son, sit at my right hand until I'm ready to show this world my right hand. And the day is coming, boy, I'm going to show this world my right hand. And I'm going to right all the wrongs. And I'm going to fix it all up. You better believe I'm not going to let them do to you what they've done. I'm not going to let them get away with all the sin they've committed. I'll set it right. But I'm not ready yet, so sit down. And that part I, I kind of don't like. <laughs> you know why? Because the only right hand in the passage is not the right hand of God. There's actually two other right hands. See, in Psalm 109 and Psalm 110, the right hand is mentioned four times. The first time it's mentioned, it's the right hand of the wicked. Look at Psalm 109, verse 6. It says, Set thou a wicked man over him, and let Satan stand at his right hand. Now, Doctrinally speaking, what you got to understand is Psalm 109 would doctrinally, unquestionably apply to the tribulation period. And you know, as we've been studying through Revelation, the day is coming when Satan is going to set up on a throne in Jerusalem to represent himself as Jesus Christ sitting on the throne. And he, he uses men. He's got wicked men in place, and he's got wicked kings. I mean, tonight we're going to see frogs coming out of the mouth, unclean spirits coming out of the mouth, and going out and influencing the kings of the earth, coming in to fight against the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, the day is coming when Satan actually will manifest himself as though he's Jesus Christ coming soon in the tribulation period. But in the meanwhile, you've got to understand, he is the God of this world, and Satan stands at the right hand of wicked men. That's a scary thought. Because the right hand represents power. And you're living in a day and age where the power really is in the hand of the wicked. Look at it in verses 2 and 3. I want to show you the power of a wicked man. He says in verse 1, uh, we'll look at 1, Hold not thy peace, O God, of my praise. So David, it's a psalm of David, and he's asking God to speak up. He's saying, God, I'm in a bad spot and I need you to kind of weigh in on this thing. God, things aren't going well and I, I need your help. Why are you holding your peace? You have the power to stop this. Why aren't you? 
He says, hold not thy peace, O God of my praise. I'm praising you. I'm worshiping you. But please don't stay silent. I need you to back me up on this thing. Why? For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are opened against me. They've spoken against me with a lying tongue. They compassed me also about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. For my love, they're my adversaries. But I give myself unto prayer. They have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. You notice a wicked man, a sinful man, uses his mouth against other people. I am telling you right now, you're seeing it already coming. You say homosexuality is a sin, they will destroy you. You say transgenderism is a sin, they will destroy you. They say you're a hate monger and it's your fault that they, they have all the issues that they have because they're marginalized. And listen, if everybody in the planet stopped saying sin is sin, stopped saying homosexuality is a sin, stopped saying transgenderism is a sin, they still would have the highest rates of suicide, the highest rates of mental health issues because sin destroys people emotionally, destroys people spiritually, destroys people psychologically. It never works out like you think it's going to work out and if you all stop saying anything at all the personal guilt inside of them would still wreck them until they got right with Jesus Christ but you're going to be to blame I know people for a fact I know this for a fact there's people in this church right now because you serve Jesus Christ you get tortured when you go to work and if it's not you you better be praying for each other because it's other people in this room that have told me their stories literally getting tortured when they go to work. Those people find some of you young people when you get old enough to start getting jobs and you start going out into work, some idiot my age, old enough to be your mom or dad, is going to see to it that it's their job to corrupt and pollute you. Because they already corrupted their own kids and they see somebody else who didn't corrupt theirs and so what they want to do is come in, get in your head and start corrupting you. You know what that is? It's a wicked spirit. You know what it is? It's the power of Satan. It's the right hand of Satan. I'm telling you, and I probably will get into it some tonight. I'm telling you right now, the devil uses, I mean, demonic, unclean spirits speak through the mouths of human beings. Peter says, not so, Lord, not you, Lord. Get thee behind me, what, Peter? You mean he opened his mouth to God and it was the devil inside of him inspiring the words coming out of him. There's a lot of power to the wicked. Now I'm going to say this. I'm going to try not to park it. But you live in a day and age where social media has magnified the voice of the wicked. If I had it my way, every single person in my church, and I, I'm not a cult leader and I'm not going to find out and I don't want to know and I'm not going to ask, but all you'd be off of it. If I had it my way. If I had it my way and not a teenager in this church would be on the stuff. Because nothing good's going to come out of it. I guarantee you this. Even if you say I use it to preach Jesus to everybody, I guarantee you this. Why don't you stop using social media to preach Jesus and start trying to be a loving witness to lost people face to face and see how many souls you have wind up sitting in church as a result of your face to face witness, your day to day walk, your influence on them personally. See how many more people you lead to Christ as opposed to, well, I use it to be a witness. Just saying. I mean, if everybody in the room decided you're going to win one person in the next 12 months, with God's help, get one person in church in the next 12 months, we would have major problems. Do you understand that? You better win a couple of rich people because we'd have to build a new building. And if we gave them all five years to grow and then said, you've been saved five years, who's the person you led to Christ by being a witness to him, by speaking the words that God would have you to speak, by the power of your walk with Jesus Christ, by the power of the word of God, go witness to people. And five years later, if all of them went and won somebody, we'd have to build another new building. I'm just saying, God knows how to set this thing up. And the social media of the world today is the devil's way of getting things into your mind and your heart that aren't God. I, I cannot stand internet tough guys. I, I could, there's, listen, 
there is no way I could be on social media. My response would be, hey, punk, here's the address. Like Khabib said to Connor, location. I'll be there. I'll see you there, big mouth. I, I don't think I could do it. And I'm not trying to be a tough guy in the pulpit because I think that demeans the pulpit. I'm just saying I can't stand this generation of sniveling little brats that want to run their big mouths on the internet. Do you know that people, this, this generation has tuned into that stuff so much that young people are committing suicide because of internet bullying? That individual didn't say anything to you. They said nothing. They posted something online. It's demonic. It's got power. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? There's a power to it that doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. It's got to be demonic. Let me continue on that thought for a second. We're talking about the mouth of the wicked. We're talking about Satan standing in his right hand. We're talking about deceitful workers and the subtlety of Satan and a lying tongue compassing about somebody who wants to serve God. Compassing about somebody who God wants to bless and use. Compassing about somebody that God wants his power to be seen in and his life to amount to something. We're talking about the hand of the wicked, the right hand of the wicked, and it comes out of the words that are being spoken. It comes out of their mouth. You understand what we're talking about, right? So you're going through a hard time. And what do you do? You start Googling. You know, I read a study this week that said that people, or, or an article this week that said that people have this, like, this literally a, a now a new, um, uh, almost a new mental health issue that has to do with being like, it's like a hypochondriac, right? That's not like always, always sick and dying. Yeah. On a whole other level, because it's a connected with Googling. So they're Dr. Googles. And they're self-diagnosing based on symptoms and what they're researching on the internet. And it's creating so much anxiety, people think they're dying when they're not. You could have certain symptoms. I've had a persistent cough because I was sick a week or two ago and I got some congestion. Well, I went and looked at the Breyers Carb Smart. I've always had lactose issues and it always congests my sinuses and my chest really, really bad. And I've always, so I went and looked at the Breyers Carb Smart that I bought the other day while ago and I was having a little bit every night I'm a little bit of a you know I could wind up 500 pounds believe it or not I really could I'm that kind of guy so I was like ah oh, this is good it's you know not too bad if I have two servings that's 210 calories we're good it's milk so now I don't know if I got this from being sick or if I'm dying of lung cancer or you just look it up online and you're going to find out I'm telling you you're going to be like oh, that's what I'm doing persistent cough I'm dying! It's one of the number one reasons people go to the doctor is a persistent cough. Could be bronchitis. Could be pneumonia. Everybody's self-diagnosed. You know how weird your body is made? How fearfully and wonderfully it's made? You know, a hundred years ago, they wouldn't have known. Even if you are dying, you'd have died happy without all the anxiety until it got really, really bad. You understand? I'm not saying ignore symptoms and don't go to the doctor. I'm saying be very careful about the internet. I'm saying it'll mess you up. I'm saying you can have symptoms of a person who's got mental health issues when you don't have any mental health issues at all. I'm not your doctor. I'm not saying you are or aren't. I'm saying you could have this. That's the same symptoms I have. Oh, no, I'm crazy. No, no, you're not crazy, but you might be a little hormonal. Not just women. You guys get a little weird, too, sometimes, you know? I'm saying be careful about the mouth of the wicked. I'm saying the devil's got ways of compassing you about with words and with things. So instead of going to God and saying, God, I'm struggling. Could you please speak to me from the Bible? Could you please help me? Instead of going to somebody that loves you and that can help you with the Bible, the first thing you do is run to the internet and start self-diagnosing from some lost, God-forsaken person who knows nothing about the Lord. And it's the devil compassing your mind about trying to strangle the life out of you because there's power in words and the wicked use their words for evil. You know what we need when we come in here? 
We need some good words. Keep your hand in Psalm 109. Go to James chapter 3. Let me show you something about our words. You know what really messes up churches? The words of people. More than anything. I've heard lots of other preachers say it, and I, and I think it's a fair thing to say. I've heard preachers that aren't even our stripe say it. Alcoholics have never split my church. Smokers have never split my church. Drug addicts are not the ones that have split my church. It's gossips. It's people that want to break down each other's character. Listen to me. I want to warn you. My dad said this to me, and it's really, really good. Years ago, I was a little, I was elementary school, and my dad said this to me. He said, any dog, because somebody at church was talking about somebody, he said, any dog that'll bring a bone will take one. In other words, when they come running to you with juicy gossip about somebody else in church, they're looking at your life, and they're running away with juicy gossip about you. This is, the, this is the thing I want you to grab a hold of. It's not really the gossip that's the issue. It's the character of the individual that likes the gossip. Does that make sense? It's not the gossip that's the problem. It's the fact that that individual has a wicked heart and they like to hear bad news. I got people that only call me did you hear brother so-and-so has cancer? Okay, that's not like gossip, right? That, that's okay. But it's like this same individual always shows up with the gossip. Did you hear? I don't know if it's true or not. It's like some people feed off of negativity. Yeah. And they just, like, like that, that has nothing to do with me. I don't even know the person. Did you hear so-and-so died? I don't even really know them. But you always want to call me when you have something bad to say because you thrive off of negativity. You thrive off of bad news. You thrive off of finding out somebody else is suffering. Did you hear they lost their job? Did you hear their kid went prodigal? Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Get away from me! Something's wrong in your character when it's always... I'm not saying that you heard something bad and it's somebody that's personal. You're concerned. Hey, I know that... You understand the difference, right? It's thriving off of everything you can find out about other people that's bad. I feel sorry for politicians. I know everybody hates them. I feel sorry for them. All that school they went through to become a politician. And what happens is if they have any level of success at all, all kinds of people all over the country are going to dig into their past, even if it's 50 years ago. The guy's stinking 70 years old now. You dig 20 years back and pull up stuff. If he's changed and repented, what is wrong with your evil heart in digging up his past? Something's wrong with you. James chapter 3, verse 1. <coughs> My brethren, be not many masters. <coughs> That's what I said before we started the message. Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. I want to be the boss. No, you don't. For in many things we offend all. I think about that all the time. All the time. I get in the car and go on the way home from church and I think, man, should I have said it that way? I hope I didn't hurt anybody. I hope I didn't come across accusatory. I hope they understood how I'm saying it. All the time. Why? Because I want the words of my mouth to help you. And I'm called to preach hard against sin. And guess what you all are? Same thing your preacher is. Man, that's a tough line to walk. I want my mouth to be productive. Even if you are guilty of something I'm preaching on, I sure don't want you to leave feeling like, man, he hates me, he beat me up, he, I'm no good. I'm, I want you to get the help. I want you to recognize the problem and get the help. That's what happens to me when I'm getting ready to preach. Don't, don't, don't protect your ego so much. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man. Oh, God, help me, I ain't perfect. And able also to bridle the whole body. You got struggles in, with sin? Focus on learning to control your mouth. Everything else from there is easy to get the victory over. If you can control your mouth, if you can develop the walk with Christ and the spiritual maturity to control the words that come out of your mouth towards other people, everything else is downhill. 
Great marriage advice. I'm not even a marriage counselor. Great marriage advice. You got problems? Okay. Learn to talk only nice, positive, kind things to your spouse. If you can learn to do that, your tongue will be permanently <laughs> scarred. And everything else is easier. Verse 3. Though we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body, monster of an animal, muscular animal, tiny little bit controls that whole thing. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, heavy, strong, and are driven of fierce winds, the power of nature behind them, yet they're turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Just moves that little wheel, and that little rudder turns that whole thing. Ain't even a big deal. Talking about the power of the tongue. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Seriously? You mean our human sinful tongue is a world of of iniquity against God. Ain't, ain't that convicting? <laughs> well, happy we came to church this morning. What a blessing. This has been great. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of... What? What did that say? It said the human tongue can be set on fire of hell. Demonic activity in my tongue. And the way I talk about other people and the way I talk to other people. Hey, the devil can get in there and wreck people's lives. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Hogwash. Hogwash. Back in the day, you can't do this nowadays. Back in the day, a couple of teenagers, we get mad at each other. We'll tune you up, man. I'm going to bust your lips and have at it and then be best friends the next day. But nowadays, somebody talk bad about you, break you down, spread your gossip, spread your dirt, find out dirt on you and make sure everybody knows about it. You better be careful. Let me show you one of the most demonic things there is. You should go read these two chapters later. I'm not going to take the time right now because I want to get through the message. But James 3 and 4, I recommend you read them. Back to Psalm 109. One of the most demonic and subtle things I've ever seen. Okay? Literally. One of the most demonic and subtle things I've ever seen. Is when somebody attacks somebody else's character. And they do it in a suggestive way. Now, here's what I mean. Something's wrong with that guy. Okay? What? I don't know what it is, but just something ain't right. He gives me the creeps. Okay, what are you saying? Do you have any evidence for what you're saying? Why would you say that? Well, did you see him? You know, some women are so full of themselves... If a man even looks their direction, they think he's checking them out. Yeah. I'm just here to tell you, I don't think every guy on the planet is a creepy pervert. Amen. I think maybe you think a little bit too much of yourself Amen. when you think every guy's looking at you. Maybe he's like, wow, look at her. She's all giving a mud fence. <laughs> Do you see him checking me out? How do you know what he's thinking? Why would your mind go to the worst? Because that's where your mind is. And then when that comes out of your mouth, you're throwing mud at somebody else's character to break them down. Somebody told me recently about a woman uh, going through a divorce, and she tells him when she sends the kids to daddy's house, she says, if he hurts you, you make sure you call me right away. Now, now, why, why, now why would the law allow the kids to go to dad's house if dad's an abuser? Planting that stuff in the kid's head before they even go to dad's house. That's a demonic thing. That's a wicked thing. 
And you know what drives me crazy? God sticks back and lets them do it right now. I hate it when I don't see justice being served. I know of, I know of stories. I, I'm not even going to get into them. It's not, it's not even helpful. I know of people that have ruined other people's lives and ruined churches by spreading lies that were unsubstantiated. That is the right hand of the wicked. Church, when we come in here, when you come to church, you ought to get some help. You ought to have somebody say something to you that will encourage you a little bit. I'm not talking about covering up for sin. People come to me and say, well, I'm scared. You know what my response is? Hey, look, call the police. I would call the police in a heartbeat. Somebody come into my office and confess some kind of a crime. In a heartbeat. And when I've seen individuals before that something was wrong and I saw red flags because I knew how to look for the red flags, and I saw the red flags, I blew the whistle. Amen. You better believe, you look me in the eye, you better believe right now if somebody's being sinned against or some crime is being committed, I would, first thing I'd do is call the police first and me second. This ain't some cover-up church. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about smearing somebody's character because you got some kind of a vendetta, because you got some kind of a wicked mind, because you're being dramatic, and you think you're the judge, James chapter 4, go read it. God said, who do you think you are to sit judge in their life? You got your own sins to deal with. And struggling people with faults and that fall short of what they're trying to be ought to be able to come in here and get some help from God, not criticism from the brethren. You ought to get a little encouragement. You ought to be able to say something nice about one another and not say nothing at all. Man, if I got into everybody's personal problems in my church and if I tried to make everybody walk in perfect holiness, which we all should be developing holiness in the fear of God, but if I tried to get in everybody's personal business and make, you'd never pastor anybody. We need to use our mouths not in the way the wicked does. It has a tremendous amount of power. And the motive of their wickedness is their evil heart. And so he says, set a wicked man over him and let Satan stand at his right hand. Give him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of Christ Jesus. What if we started doing that for gossipers? What if we started doing that for every woman that's having a hard time in her marriage and starts trashing her husband? Or every man who starts trashing his wife? Preaching now. Every kid that's a bitter, rebellious little brat because they don't like the rules their parents put, whether pastor has the same rules or not, is none of anybody's business. God expects you to submit to the parents God gave you. Don't ever use me as a weapon against them. How I do things is my business, and I could care less how anybody else does anything in their home. That's none of my business. Whether they're more strict or less strict, that's beside the point. So you start trashing your parents. You better be careful because your day's coming. Wicked use the right hand of the wicked. They use their mouth against others because their motive is a sinful heart. Look at the second right hand in verse 31. For he shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those that condemn his soul. In the context is verse 30. I'll greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yeah, I'll praise him among the multitude. Well, I sure hope I ain't the first one. I sure ask God to forgive me and anybody else to forgive me any time that I've allowed the devil to use my tongue as his right hand, his power to crush somebody or hurt somebody. But I'd like to think I'm the second one. I'd like to think that I'm poor. Now, as you go down through the passage, you see all kinds of spiritual stuff. So I got to think that maybe this is a twofold thing. If you look at verse 16, he says, Because he, that he remembered not to show mercy, the wicked man, but persecuted the poor and needy man. So you can see the tribulation context, right? That in the tribulation, if you're a, a, a righteous person, you can't eat, you can't buy, you can't sell, you can't make money. 
So obviously this wicked is Satan and connected to Satan and the poor is connected to somebody doing right who can't operate in that world. Follow me? But to make a spiritual application, Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? I think that's us this morning. Honestly. I mean, why would you get saved in the first place if you didn't realize in your spirit you are absolutely bankrupt? If you didn't realize there's no hope for you. If you didn't recognize your own guilt and your own failure, I mean, didn't you get saved by by falling at the feet of the cross, at the feet of Jesus Christ and saying, I need help. You know what you are? You're poor. Now, I struggle with that from time to time. I wish I was the guy that had so much money I could be like, hey, how much did the builder say that's going to be? All right, let me just write you a check. You guys go worry about the meetings and the this and the that and the other thing. I'm going to write you a check. Just get it done. That'd be great. But that's not how it works. Not saying that God doesn't save rich people. Not saying that it doesn't happen. But most of us, for the most part, we're just kind of average, right? And even if you're above average, I sure hope you're poor in spirit. You know why? Because of the way God works in this day and in this time. Look at verse number 22, something about the poor. I'm poor and needy and look at it. My heart is wounded within me. See how I started the message talking about this world that we're living in? And I'll guarantee you, man, you've been around 15 years. You've already had plenty of chance to get hurt. You've been around 20 years. You've had plenty of chance to be wounded. You've been around 40 years. You have, you have got all it takes to be bitter. Bitter. Frustrated. The injustice is, is so obvious and, and how things haven't worked out like you thought they should and the devil tries to show up and the mouth of the wicked is always there to get in your head and they're always presenting themselves on their social media like everything in their world is absolutely wonderful. They got all the money. They got all the fame. They got all the looks, meaning the filters. Reality TV. Uh-uh. trying to make it as realistic as it can be while you live in reality and your reality never matches up to the realistic thing they're trying to portray. So here you are wounded and you're seeing what's compassed you about in the mouth of the wicked and all that they're saying and and all the strife in the world. Listen, talk show hosts know that in order to grow that show, in order to make money, in order to go viral, they've got to be controversial. It's got to be contentious. It's got to be a debate. they got to push every sore button they can, and they froth up all the bitterness and all the anger and all the frustration, and they get all that thing fr- so much so that this generation that's geared off of listening to them is out tearing the world apart where they don't even know what they're fighting for. You better be careful. Because now you're the Lord. And you know you're poor. And you're wounded. And they got all the power. And you don't. You don't think the devil's tried to get in my head a few times? I mean, how many years trying to put on a tiny little addition so people can go potty? And I drive by these mega churches where these guys will compromise everything there is and they're throwing up buildings that are multi-million dollar buildings just like that and they got all these multi-millionaires in the church just funding the stuff. Yeah. And I'll watch the Muslims and their anti-Christ mentality and the money they got and the Roman Catholics mm-hmm. and the money they got. And here I am, poor and needy. Yeah, here I am living my life one day at a time like you are, struggling and seeing things in a sinful world that I don't think are fair. And I don't think is right. Now, I've never had too much, of a, too much of a hard time when things aren't fair to me. My dad always said, life ain't fair, get over it. And I, I, I'm, and I, I, can, I don't know, I figured out how to operate that way in my head. So I, but man, when I see people I love and I see life not be fair to them, that's my button, boy. All right, you got me now. 
Fine. Everybody's got their point. Fine, I tap out. Do it to me. I, I feel like I know me well enough to know I deserve it. I see people that, are, I think I, that in my opinion, are better than me that have to struggle. Your heart gets hurt. Boy, when your heart gets hurt, that right hand, it's awful weak. When you get wounded, you better be careful. You know what Esau did? He showed up hungry. And Jacob was there with pottage of lentils and bread. Does that sound really... Who's going home today to have a little bit of bread and a pottage of lentils? Anybody? Yes, Disgusting. If you're going to put beans in my chili, you better load it up with all kinds of spicy stuff and meat and everything else. Just bury those beans. I realize there's stuff in the beans that your body needs and I think they're great to eat. Pottage of lentil and bread. And Esau was in a wounded state because he was hungry. And because Esau didn't have the right motive in his heart, when he saw the pottage of lentil and bread, he said, what good is my birthright going to do me if I perish hunger? You can have my birthright and I'll give you the bread and the pottage. And for a little bit of momentary satisfaction to appease his flesh, to get himself out of an uncomfortable position, he sold his birthright. The birthright meant a blessing from the Father. The birthright meant a double portion of the inheritance. And the birthright meant a priesthood over the family of authority and spiritual leadership. And he said, all right, I'll sell it if you can satisfy my need for the moment. So what happens when you're poor and your right hand gets weak and you see the right hand of the wicked and you see an opportunity to fix the need and you turn into an Esau who, by the way, is the father of the Edomites, who, by the way, is Doeg the Edomite, who was sitting in the temple and seeing David come and get the sword and watching the priests and seeing this whole setup. And then Saul shows up and says, nobody feels sorry for me. And he says, I do. I saw David. And he said, all right, follow these priests and kill them since they helped David out. Nobody do it but Doeg the Edomite. Slaughters all the priests. You better be real careful since you're weak. You better be real careful since you're poor. You know what the poor needs at his right hand? It's in verse 31. He needs the Lord. You know what David said? 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 12. When I am weak, then am I strong. You know what's a blessing about having the right hand of the poor? That right hand starts getting heavy, starts getting weak. You can't keep up. You can't do it. You feel like you're failing. But God will show up and stand next to that right hand when you're the weakest and reach down and grab a hold of that thing and he'll pull that hand up. He said, I'll glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Lord, if what it takes to have your presence and your power in my life is problems and pains and a weak heart and poor and needy, then keep me poor. See, I said just a couple minutes ago, I wish I was the guy that could write the check for the edition and just walk away. Because it's easy to sign your name. And if you're that guy, it's because you don't miss that kind of money. It doesn't affect your lifestyle. You understand what I'm saying? But what if, what if having that kind of money would come between me and God? Give me a tent out in the woods, please. And a Bible and peace in my soul and the strength of God in my heart and a walk with Jesus Christ, and a life that influences and impacts other people for good, and a mouth that can speak a word in due time to help you and get you through and encourage your heart and bless you, and the word and the spirit of God on my tongue that help you stay married and help you raise your kids and help you walk with the Lord and help you do right and help you get the victory and can stay at it the rest of my life. I'll take that. And poverty over riches and success like the wicked and Satan standing at my right hand when I don't even know it. The last right hand I want to see in the passage and this is the most important one is in chapter 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, 
Sit thou at my right hand. You know where he's at right now? Jesus Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the right hand I'm looking to. That's the right hand that's so powerful. Folks, think about this for a second. Talk about his power. Where did he use his hands to create things? Not until it came to man. From what I see when I look at it, unless my memory's failing me, he spoke it all, he spoke it all, he spoke it all, he spoke it all, and then he formed man out of the dust. And it was just a dead piece laying there. And then he said, and his eyes popped open. And he said, Lord, did you give me a belly button? (laughs) It's the stuff people get hung up on. Dumb as dumb as it could possibly be. Like, come on, man, who cares? You miss the fact that he formed him and then he said, Ask Dan what they do if somebody's dying. They still have to breathe life into them. Man, ain't that a wild thing? And man became a living soul. And right now he's seated at the right hand. You know what the power of God is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That man has the power of God on him. <laughs> I don't want the power of God on me. I want the Lord Jesus Christ on me. Amen. I want him in me. I want him controlling me. I want him leading me. Amen. The Bible says he's seated there and there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. <laughs> That Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for you. So once you've come to him as a mediator, God, Jesus, I can't get to him. You did. You did it all for me. Will you you take care of me? Will you come in my heart and save me? The mediator. Once you got him as your mediator, he becomes your intercessor. He ever liveth to make intercession for you. I believe Jesus prays for us. You ever think about that? When you go to God, you come unto the Father by Him. That's the the power of God in His right hand. Jesus Christ is sitting there. And for whatever reason, He hasn't yet put down the power of Satan. He hasn't yet put down the power of the wicked. But I'll tell you what he is doing right now for the power of the, the right hand of the poor. He shows up at your right hand to help you out when you need help. Amen. I don't feel like the Lord showed up. I guarantee you, you're the problem. I will guarantee you. I'm not trying to be mean. I will guarantee you, you are the problem. If the Lord hasn't showed up to help you, he did not fail. You did, but he didn't. And he ever liveth to make intercession for us. That's what he's doing. Look at verse 5. Look at what he's going to do. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. We'll look at that tonight. He shall wound the heads over many countries tonight. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. You know what he's going to do? He's going to come back soon. I believe it's soon. You guys see the United Nations all get together against Israel? You guys see more and more talk about the U.S. turning against Israel? You guys see the way now all the news articles are slanted towards the, 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 the victims who are the perpetrators? Where are, the, where are the pictures in the news articles showing you what those guys did to the women and children over there? Yeah, it's, it's, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Oh, don't worry about it. The right hand of God's coming to set it all straight. He's going to straighten the whole thing up, and I'm telling you right now, he's going to do it soon. And that's why some of you are feeling more pressure than ever before. Because you're poor and your right hand gets weak. But I'm telling you, the right hand of God is coming and he's going to fix it all up. And so my message for you this morning is, 
will you reach up and grab onto his hand? You see, I don't feel like I have much power. I don't feel like I have much energy. I don't feel like I have much strength. When I look at the, the world, the, the, the big picture, do you understand what I'm saying? But what strength I got left, I'm telling a friend of mine this week, I feel like I'm at a point in my life where like never before I got to dig in spiritually. Where like never before I've got to learn, I got to figure out how to pray. Where like never before I got to study my Bible and get better at preaching. You pray for me on that. I got to get better at feeding whatever thought God gives me to feed. I, gotta, I, I feel like, I, like never before I got to give more of my effort, more of my strength, more of my time, more of my energy to study in that book and learn how to teach and preach the Bible to you, to learn how to reach some lost people for the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of their eternal soul, to help somebody else that doesn't know the Lord come to know the Lord as their Savior. Like, more than ever, I feel like I got to dig now! Because, boy, time's going fast. And even if I die of old age, which I don't think I will, I think I'm going out by a rapture. But even if I die of old age, it ain't going to be much longer. And whatever little strength I've got, Got to give it to God. I'd planned once I got my master's degree done to start training jujitsu again. You know why I'm not? It takes too much effort. It takes, it takes too much of a lifestyle, too much commitment to compete at that level. And that's a corruptible crown. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm not saying that. I feel like I did as long as I should and the Lord used it and I was doing the right thing at the time. I feel like now, for me personally, I feel like I got to just give that extra effort and energy and strength to study in this book, to submit myself to God, to answer in my phone when it rings when I can, get back to you if I can't, to preach in the Bible, to pastor in this church, to getting that addition done, I ain't got much. I wish I had more. I've asked God if it's possible to build a church of 2,000 people that believe the King James Bible preaching like we do and singing like we do. I've asked them if it's possible like to see you do it. Not because I want to be some big name guy. Because I want to see people getting saved, man. I, I love being a pastor. I love just reaching people nobody else would ever know. I'm not talking about becoming somebody talking about pastoring people, helping people that nobody else would care about. Amen. I would love to see God do that. I don't know whether he will or not, but I know this with whatever strength I got, I want to give what I got to him. And here's how that works. That right arm gets awful weak because that's how God set it up so that that poor person reaches up and goes like this and God says, come on, man, I'll stand at that right hand. I know you ain't much, but you're trying. I'm here to help you. The right hand of God. Boy, when you feel that hand wrap around yours, whew, I don't know how else to put it. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.